Do you want to start a thriving real estate career, but don't know where and how to start? Do you want to become a successful realtor or investor, but lack the required knowledge and skills? Gear yourself up with the best and actionable advice here on The Real Estate Rundown. Tune in as Shannon Robnett talks with industry veterans about all kinds of asset classes, market trends, challenges, management techniques, and success stories. Listen to informative discussions with valuable tips that will serve as the foundation for your incredible real estate venture. Now, here's your host, Shannon Robnett. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to season two of the Real Estate Rundown show. Guys, we are going to break out our time machine. We're we're, we're going to jump in the DeLorean. We're going to go backwards because I get this request a lot from people. They're like, yeah, but Shannon, you know, you don't understand. I, I, I can't build wealth. I, I got all these problems and I got this debt and I got this stuff. Well, we have got a guy. We have the guy, right? Not just a guy, the guy. We've got a guy that actually has built his brand around the thought process of how you get there. You know, in this episode, we're going we're gonna to talk about not only passive investing, but we're going to talk about a, the way to earn steady income streams after you've taken the time to take control. Take control of your finances. Move your ball forward to where you can get from the, I don't have a choice. I don't have control. I have nothing but payment books to a place where you can set yourself on a path that will take you to the next step, which will allow you to begin your real estate journey. So guys, help me welcome Joe to the show. Joe, welcome to the show. I'm excited for our conversation. We got started early, but I'm super excited for what we're going to get into here. Shane, I'm super happy to be here. I am here to announce my retirement. I finally made it on the show, so <laughs> I need to go out on top. Yeah. I just want to tell everybody uh, I'm finally here. The wrong, the wrong show. This is the, oh. <laughs> this is the real estate. This isn't the daily show, um, but no, you know, so... I love it. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your story, why this became your niche, why this became your focus. Uh, and, and then we'll just we'll just jump off the deep end right into it. Man, Shannon, there's so many nuances to my story, but um, I I was a money disaster. Number one, that's kind of where we start. I was the guy. So I went to this uh, this school, the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And a um, bunch of slackers over there. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nobody doing anything. Yeah. 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 But this is before email. So this is old guy story time. Uh, but I walk into the Mark Clark Hall, maybe my first, which is a student union, the uh, the the first week of school. And there's this line out the door. Right. Of people that are and I don't remember if it was for a stadium blanket or a beach towel or what it was, but it's a line of people waiting to get into debt. And, and by the way, if there were, if, imagine if there was a line, Shannon, of people that were trying as hard as they could to get rich building a real estate empire. Like if they had that line right, versus right, the number of people right. that are just hoping to get an American Express credit card, which is. Well, yeah, but you get a free pizza with that. See, if you're building a real estate empire, there's no free pizza. There's no free lunch, right? Everybody's out to eat your lunch, right? It is. It is. It is so wild to me that we just all stayed in line. And of course I see how long the line is. And, and by the way, this all began even earlier because my parents didn't really talk about money. Like most parents right. did right. talk about money. If, if, if mom and dad were talking about money, my sister, my brother and I, we had to leave the room. So I, I get in this line. I very honestly tell them I have no income. I have no assets. 
And I really want an American Express card. You know exactly what happened, man. About two weeks later, I get this cool green card member since I take my, I go with my friends the first day we have leave to this North Charleston mall. And we go to this high-end restaurant. You might've heard of it before. It's called Ruby Tuesday. Huge. Amazing. They had a salad bar. Like it was, it was incredible. And uh, at the end of lunch, just because I wanted to be everybody's buddy, I wanted to make friends. I waved that card and I said, I got it. I got it. This is on me. And uh, of course, everybody loved me. I bought lunch. Then I go down to the other end of the mall, like a magnet to the most expensive store, Nordstrom. And I buy this sweater. It's 1987. And I buy this sweater that is Duran Duran awesome. It is like this <laughs> purple. With I'm this laughing because ugly- I have one still. <laughs> I, I have it in the other room. I should have brought yeah. it so you yeah. can see it. But because yeah. I don't remember what an idiot I was. And uh, and it had this like paisley uh, V-neck. But I'm at the Citadel. I'm at a military college. I can't wear a sweater. And plus, how many days a year is it cold enough to wear a sweater in Charleston, South Carolina? Like two? Like both yeah. days. It's really yeah. tough. Yeah. So, so I buy this stuff. And, you know, being before email, I don't think to check my ba- – I don't even think I'm going to have a balance, Shannon. I'm like, hey, you know what? Everything's Everything is going to be – going to be honky dory. And I, I walked to get my mail every day. You never got mail and you were always excited to get mail, you know, not like today where it's a bunch of junk in the mailbox. There's something in your mailbox. You're pretty excited. So I go to Mark Clark Hall again. I check my mailbox and there's a letter for me like three weeks later, like unbelievable. I open it up. It's from American express. I'm thinking they want to thank me. You know, they're like, thank you, Joe. Hey, Hey brother, we did this together. You took your friends out, used our card. Good for you. That's great. Now they wanted money. And I frankly had never thought about that until that time. And immediately, obviously, I did what any smart person would do. I called my mom and I said, <laughs> I said, I said, Mom, we got a problem. And mom said, No, we don't have anything. You've got a problem. Yeah. And so my credit was wrecked. I spent the whole summer that summer, by the way, uh uh paying off a collection agency, you know, to the tune of what, what it, it ended up being maybe $200 worth of debt that had turned into 400 in a hurry. Right. Right. So, right. so making my 400 bucks back inflation adjusted that $17,000, but anyway, <laughs> that's right. That's right. And it, well, that's just in the last eight months right, 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 from right, the time right. we recorded this, but, but, you know, to make a short story really long, I was, I was a financial disaster who became a financial advisor. And I was telling other people what to do with their money while I was still like, I kept touching the stove, Shannon, and I was not good with money, but I figured it out. Not only did I figure it out, I actually got really good with money. I became financially independent at age 40 when I sold my business. I sold my financial planning business, decided to become a high school teacher. While I was taking classes, I had done a bunch of marketing and media for American Express. Uh, uh, so a lot, of, a bunch of financial planners hired me to write things for them, you know, financial pieces to help them with their PR stuff. That turned into a blog, blog turned into a podcast. Now the Stacking Benjamin Show is... 11 years old. We focus on comedy because I believe we got to lower the temperature. We're right. at we're at uh, 52 million downloads uh, of the show. We nice. publish three days a week, part of the Westwood One uh, radio network. So um, yeah, it's weird so how I from, got here. You went from from economic disaster. You you went. The only thing that you didn't tell them was that 
the, you, you didn't you didn't have any assets, you didn't have any income, and you were the liability. So that's probably where I they would have. I was. That's, that's probably where they would have bounced you at that point. So you know, full disclosure, you went from getting an American Express to actually advising American Express. You went from from not understanding how money works and why you want it and why you want to spend it on certain things, not that. And by the way, Joe, I do still have that, but mine is now a Duran Duran tank top. And I think it's, <laughs> it's, it has more to do with my size now, nothing, not the sweater size, but nothing to do with the shirt, right? No, no. Uh, but, but you know what, I mean, and, and, and I talk to a lot of people in, in my business, you know, we, we tend to deal with people who have some money, right? I mean, I've got, I've got some of in, my investors in our syndications that have inheritance. We have some investors that have, you know, 401ks that they're, that they didn't realize that they could use because their employer has been putting it away for them. But I still have people that are, that are toast. I mean, they're literally walking around. I got, you know, guys that are 40, 50, 60 years old, 50 years old that need to split a security deposit on my apartments, right? They, they, they don't have enough in their world to pay the whole security deposit out of a savings account or, 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 or any method like that. And so where do you start with people? Because I know that money seems to be a taboo subject, but where do you start with people that says, okay, look, let's, let's not get the free towel uh, from American Express because uh, you, you don't want that. But here's how you start down that road of becoming financially literate. Let's not worry about financial independence. You've got to yeah. get literate first. No, great point, Shannon. You know, there's a recent study that was done called the secret financial lives of Americans. And it's a, it's a fantastically disturbing study about <laughs> some of the statistics in here. You know, a lot of people listening, maybe work in an office. And when I worked in an office, there was always some jerk that was stealing somebody's lunch or stuff out of your lunch, right. you know, out of the refrigerator, like who the hell steals stuff out of somebody's lunch? Well, this study showed this isn't somebody's, I mean, maybe they're a jerk, but the vast majority of those people are, they've screwed up their money so much they're broke and they're starving. And because they're starving, they have to steal other people's lunches. Uh, the number of people that that reported that they would have sex for money if given the opportunity is another one. The people dumpster dove. But the biggest one of all, and the reason why I'm so into the fact that we need to keep this light and fun is because the biggest statistic in here, Shannon, was that of 330 million people in the United States, nearly half of us say we've cried about our money. Right. Nearly half of us have cried. And yeah. you think, by the way, to your point earlier about most people listening have some money, right? They, they, they've done a good job. They've done at least a decent job of, of saving to be somebody that, that, that knows you, works with you. Well, you know what? Of people making $200,000 a year or more, nearly half of those people say they've cried about money, like a minuscule amount less than people living paycheck to paycheck. So clearly, we have this problem in America where our goals are going one way, our values are going one way, and our money's going a whole different direction. Right. And for, for me, where I had to start, because I got to that point, I was actually leaving a meeting where I had, had been counseling some clients, and uh, uh, I... I am going down this ugly, this, 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 this horrible part of town and, uh, and I run out of gas 
And I realized that I have no money left. Not only do I have no money left, I have no resources. I have no credit. I borrowed money from all of my, all of my friends. I borrowed money from so many people. By the way, the reason I'm in this rusted out minivan that I'm driving at this time is because I came clean with a friend of mine about getting a loan. Talk about guys. I mean, you split the security right. deposit. Listen to this. So, so I come clean to this friend of mine. I'm like, dude, my credit's horrible. It is just horrible, but my car is going to die. And I had these young twins. This is 1994. And uh, I got these young kids at home. My wife's still in school. And I said, uh, I said, uh, uh, where, where am I going to go? Like, I can't get a car. He goes, dude, here's what you do. Go to any car lot in America because these car dealers will give money to anybody. Like, seriously, you get the worst credit ever and get a car. So yeah. he gives me the name of a guy. I go to the, I go to the place and the, the, the salesman goes, Oh yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll give you a loan. He walks back in his office with my social security number comes out like three minutes later and goes, dude, your credit is horrible. And I cannot give you a loan. Like there is no way I can give wow. you a loan. Yeah. So which is a long way of saying, here's, here's where I had to start. I had to realize, number one, and this is what somebody, anybody in that situation has to remember. There's no shortcut. Like I, right. kept, I, kept, I kept trying to tell people to build a foundation, Shannon. I didn't build a foundation. I kept looking for a shortcut. Even though I'm telling right. other people the right thing to do, I'm doing the wrong thing. Right. That's number one. Number two is you have to surround yourself with the right people. I had to change the game on what I was filling my head with. And I had to make sure that I had people in my corner that had walked the walk that I really wanted to walk. Yeah. And so I started, I couldn't afford to take people to breakfast or to lunch. So I would take them out for breakfast, but I just have a cup of coffee. I'd say, Hey, let's have let's go out and we'll have, we'll have some coffee. Well, and, that's uh, better than that's better than raiding the fridge at work and taking somebody else's lunch to them. You know, I mean, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people would do it by the way, you know, I mean, smart yeah. people want to give back. I found, yeah. and I, I feel so much gratitude not only that I had that experience and I had that wake up call, I feel so much gratitude, but I also feel a lot of gratitude that smart people went, no, I will share with you the secret. And guess what the secret was? There's no secret. There's no secret. There, right. there is no secret. Yeah. And what's funny is, is when I stopped looking for shortcuts, I built that foundation in a hurry. You know, yeah. the first thing that I did was I ignored my creditors. I ignored these people that were, that, that you know, called me every day begging for money. I was already screwed. So right. I had to forget about them. I built an emergency fund, number one. Number two is I started living an all-cash lifestyle. Now, I'll tell you today, I do not live an all-cash lifestyle. Right. I live a lifestyle where I play credit card reward point games. Yep. I, uh, I use leverage. But I had to get a healthy respect for money before I got there. Right. I had to I had to realize the value of a dollar and how much interest against you can screw you blind, just completely blind. Well, and, and here's the thing, you know, let, let's talk about this for a minute. So so from my perspective, you know, we have investments that are doing, you know, somewhere between a six and a nine percent cash on cash that are doing a 16 to a 25 percent IRR. Right. So over yeah. five years, we're getting a 25 percent return. That means that if, if you're playing the game the way that most of America plays the game, where you pay 30% in taxes, you pay 22% on your credit cards and you're carrying a $10,000 balance or a $25,000 balance, right? You have, at the end of that $75,000 annual income, you've only got $40,000 to live on by the time you make those two payments that are non-negotiable, right? You cannot negotiate with the credit card pay company for a cheaper 
payment. What you get is the grace period to pay it. You cannot negotiate with the IRS about what your taxes are going to be if you don't do the certain things that they're asking you to do. So at the end of the day, if you're looking to invest with someone like me and you're not taking care of that kind of thing, by the time you eliminate your credit card debt and get your tax bills in line and deal with things like that, you're already making more than I'm going to make you, right? You're, you're, you're saving 30% by not paying the IRS and you're saving another 20% by not paying your credit card interest. Yeah. So really at the end of the day, when people get a hold of this fundamental thought process and can live that cash lifestyle, can borrow smart money when smart money returns money to them with friends rather than live on the credit card because we want Gucci shoes or we want to drive that car to impress everybody else that the minute you don't have the car, they don't care, right? And here you are switching that mentality, that mindset to the people that want to help you, not want to use you. What a difference that that makes in someone's life. So, so you went from totally toasted credit, wrecked uh, wife, two kids, and a sweet ride. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, man, you, I, I, I know you're good at sales because you talk some woman into marrying you, you know, I know you, must, right? you must not have talked about finances before marriage. Cause if she didn't own your credit score, that would have been a deal changer. Right. I mean, yeah. You take yeah. my age, you divide by three. Uh, but, <laughs> she, but she's a very smart woman, but I don't know what happened that day. I have yeah, no idea well, you know, what happened that uh, day. Everybody has a bad day and you happen to be there. Uh, you know, uh, that's that's where luck kicks in. But but here you are, you know, you're turning that around. You're going to that cash life. What what kind of I mean, nobody wants to do this. Nobody wants to have to clean it up. But what how long did that take to get it turned, to get it to stop bleeding, to get the tourniquet on it and to get it turned so that now, OK, I have my emergency fund. I'm headed in the Dave Ramsey direction. I'm getting my crap paid for. I'm getting a handle on the unseen part of my life way faster than I thought way faster than I thought two and a half years way faster than I thought I was it it it, it, it blew me away so it I took owed, you it took you what 12 years to wreck it yeah is that about yeah. right yeah and two years to fit two and a half years to fix it yeah it okay. it, w- it was amazing but you know what uh very honestly you know it took two and a half years but it really took a second is what right. it took right. because from the, from the, the point that I actually made the decision that I was going to change, everything changed, like everything changed. The second that I realized that I was in control and I could, I could flex that. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Even that two and a half years, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was not buying anything, but, but within, within three or four months, it had become a game with how fast can I go? Right. Right. So how can I increase my income streams? How can we decrease our expenses? And what was cool was, was that I got my kids involved. I mean, I would come home from work, Shannon, and my, you know, my house would be lit up like Disneyland. We had two televisions. They're both on. And as you may, may know, nobody's in the house, right? Right. I mean, every it's, it's cool outside. It's Michigan weather. And, uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm heating the outdoors. And uh, so I realized as an example, I mean, this is one little example. I could complain about that like I did over and over and over, or I could turn into a game for my, for my young kids that were, that were at this point about uh, five. And um, we would, 
we would have so much fun with playing this utility game where it became a game to see every month when the utility bill came again, pre-internet. So when that utility bill came, everybody got really excited because we, we played a limbo game of how low can it go? And, and we would, by the way, there was no, there was no prize because we couldn't afford a prize. Right. It was just the, right. the prize was we were working together. I remember I'm watching some. So there's where you were wearing that Duran Duran sweater. That's right. Exactly. You That's finally had the place. Is. And I can see your kids running around in their snowsuits in September, right? You know, cause the heat hasn't been on and, and your wife going through the house looking like uh, Ebenezer Scrooge's daughter. Cause she's got the candle, you know? <laughs> is it the third snowfall yet? I told you no heater till the third snowfall. Come yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. Get with it. No, but we, um, I remember I left a room one day and, uh, I, I was watching, I was watching, uh, uh, my Detroit lions lose on Sunday. Like they still do. And, uh, and I walk out to get a glass of water. I come back. My daughter's turned off the TV. She's like, Dad, when you leave the room, you got to turn off the TV. I'm like, yeah, yeah but I'm coming right back. Yeah. I mean, now instead of me complaining, my family's on me, which was right. really cool. So, but anyway, my point is, is that we turned the whole thing, it, it went from woe is me to this is a game and we're all together in it. And we can have some fun with this in a hurry. Um, and that was pretty powerful. But two and a half years into this, we were, we were rocking. And within 10 years, I was doing very well financially. So, you know, when you think about it, and, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, you know, so this time frame that you're talking about is, you know, mid 90s, right? When, when this transformation yeah. is happening in your life, uh, you know, and, and I remember, uh, you know, when I first got started in life was about that time I graduated from high school in 1991. Uh, and and you, you had things that you bought, right? You didn't have a lot of the things that we have now, like this payment right? Or the Amazon Prime payment or the Spotify payment or the, you know, the 27 different apps that you have that are $2.95 a piece. I can just see where there are so many places that we as Americans get bled dry over these necessities that we've got to have, the convenience of this, the convenience of that, that really at the end of the day, all we're doing is creating other ways for $9 at a time, our ability to save, to be ferreted away, let alone getting to the place where we get that kind of stuff cleaned out of our closet so we could, so we could worry about the thermostat. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you were talking about watching the Detroit Lions on rabbit ears. You weren't <laughs> paying, a, you weren't paying an $80 cable bill to go with your $40 internet bill to go with your $39 roaming plan, to go with your, you know, with all the different things that we wind up with, right? But th and this is why it's important, Shannon, that we start with, I mean, this is where, this is where we all should start. You should start with what you value. What do right. I value? And spend a bunch of money on what you value. If you value it, spend a bunch of money. But if you don't really care, Stop spending money on that stuff. We right. spend money on so many things that we don't care about. And it's like flushing cash down the toilet. I have a family member. They, they always talk about how they struggle with money and they have two young daughters now. And it's so frustrating because I've tried to get them to not just listen to my show, but listen to any financial show. Right. Uh, I've, I've tried to get them to, you know, when I was in Detroit, there in the Detroit area, I would try to get them to come do, we would have events. When I was there, we bring speakers in and these are all normal people like you and me. 
but they're doing great. And yet they're in this group of friends that all have this big old cycle of impressing each other. And they have so yeah. much debt. They can't afford to take their daughters on a, uh, on a vacation. And uh, this family member came clean with me. He's got a lease payment on a Mercedes that's $850 a month. Yeah. And his wife has a lease payment that's $1,100 a month. Right. I have I have two vehicles, one vehicle, a, a, a Volkswagen Tiguan, nice, nice car, bought it new, by the way. Uh, my wife drives it. She she is a wonderful woman. I want her in a new car because she is not the world's best driver. <laughs> and so I want so, so she there's two things we know about her that she is faulty on. Right. Picking men. And, and that's and why driving abilities. That's why I slowed down halfway through that story. Look at me. I'm turning I was going to say, hmm. I slowed down because I'm like, oh man, Cheryl's going to hate this. But we, um, but she, you know, and I don't want her on the side of the road. So they offered 0% financing a couple of years ago and I took it because yeah. I, I could have paid cash for it. But heck, I'm going to use 0% financing all right. day long. Right. My car, Shannon, that I drive because I work from home. So I drive never. Um, right. I paid 7,000 bucks for my car. That's awful expensive slippers, man. I mean, you know, you're driving down the hallway, <laughs> hanging a ride into the kitchen, you know. But, but my big point is these people are struggling. I'm not struggling. Right. I've got $400 a month in a car right. payment, $400 a month. Yeah. They, and, they, and, you know, those are the kind of places where you can save massive amounts of money to drive that in the future, right? I mean, yeah. uh, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Joe. But you can write a check for both of the cars they're driving. Agreed. Yeah. Right. Write a check and buy it if that's what you want. They can't go on vacation because they're too busy driving something that in three years they're going to give away. Now, I'm not saying that a lease may not be a good business move, right? That's not the discussion we're having. What we're having is you spent money to impress people that the minute you change your car to the $7,000 uh, you know, car of your choice, those friends that you were trying to impress are going to begin to talk behind your back. And it's amazing how much stock we put in people and their opinions when we're destroying our future to, to, to get them to like us when we could really, I mean, you were talking about just those two right there. Then you, now let's talk about the insurance. By the time you get right. done with those two vehicles and insurance, you're $2,500 a month. That puts you at $30,000 a year in savings to drive a skateboard. For one year, yeah. all you got to do is one year, right? If you were to do that for one year and then put that in an investment that paid 8%, now you're able to afford your wife's Tiguan. Let me just, give you the other. Just let me give simple. Me, yeah, no, it's it, it's totally simple. By the way, Shannon, if you ask them, which I haven't done, but if, you, but if I'd asked them what was more important, taking their daughters on a nice vacation or those cars, you and I both know what they'd say. In a heartbeat, they'd say, no, taking my daughters on vacation would be far more important. We'd love to be able to do that. That's my, just the illiteracy that they grew up with. It's, but it's, and it's all of us. It's systemic. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. My, now, my cousin on the other side does something I've been bragging about that I need to do that I haven't done. And this is a little tiny thing, by the way. Everybody listening is going to go, this is the world's smallest thing. But it's a huge thing. So about once every quarter, once every four months, he'll text me and go, what, what shows you watch on Netflix that you really like? And then four months later, he's like, what shows you watching on Apple plus that you like? 
what shows you watching on you, you know on 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 Disney? But because I got them all, I've got Disney Plus, Amazon Prime. To your point about the, all the subscriptions, I've got all. Somehow I don't have HBO Max and and uh, uh, I don't have Showtime. Though how I stayed away from those, I have no idea because I have all these subscriptions. And yet Google I thought just, I was really Google just picked up on that, and it will be in your browser uh, in moments. Don't worry. Over about and it. over and over and over. Yeah, don't worry right? about it. So I. Uh, uh, I cut the cord, you know, $79 a month a long time ago on DirecTV, and now my subscriptions for everything I have are more than what I cut back back in the day. What he does, and I asked him after the second time he did this, I'm like, oh, I really like this show. And after he did the second time, I'm like, Randy, what what, what the hell are you doing? He's like, I only have two eyes. And I can only watch one thing at a time. So here's what I do. I sign up for Netflix. And I just watch all the Netflix shows my friends tell me to watch. And I watch those for like four months. We binge them, he and his wife. And then they cancel that. Then they get Disney Plus. Then they binge all the Disney Plus, And then they do it. So this is a really small thing. Sure. Makes, makes them maybe, maybe, let's say it saves them $50 a month. Probably a little more than that, but about $50 a month by, by doing that. $50 a month seems like nothing, and frankly, it is. But in the course of a year, that's 600 bucks. Still nothing. My cousin, though, really likes to travel. And I know on his bucket list every year, the thing he values is making sure they go on a damn good vacation. So are my, my, these other family members, I almost said who they were, but these other family members cannot do anything. My cousin, Randy, always takes these really nice ones. But here's the deal. At the end of a year, it's 600 bucks. At the end of a decade, that's $6,000 he saved. Two $3,000 vacations every 10 years over and above the ones he was taking. That's something. Right. Like two, Absolutely. two more on top of it, just because he's doing this thing that I'm bragging about that I still am not doing. Well, um, these but, little things but, can be big. You things. know, here, but, but again, here's the, here's the other side of that. And, and this is where I look at things, right? I, I, I live a, a, a life. Uh, everything I've done in my life is to build cash flow so that I can do what I want, right? So yeah. I can have the things that I want, and I don't have to. I don't. I don't have to play the thermostat game. I don't have to call my friends and ask about Disney Plus and that because I, I've stacked that away, right? And 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 so when you start taking these things and you start combining them and you start saving up, you know, I I, I interviewed a gal, uh, Rachel. Um. I'm drawing a blank on her name, her last name right now, but she wrote a book called Money Maven. And her and her husband both worked like dogs for five years. And they built a real estate portfolio that allowed them to live on $15,000 a month in cash flow after five years. Yeah. Now, the reality is they did something extraordinary for a very short period of time that at 27 years old, they walked away from corporate life, right? This is that same kind of thing. If you can... But it, but like we discussed before the show, if you would have done that and still not had the foundation, you would have been like you were in the early 90s where you've got a job, you've got what appears to be on the surface, everything working out, but your financial life underneath is a disaster. So if you did get a $300,000 inheritance, it's not going to do you any good. You're not going to be able to invest it. You're not going to know what to pay off. You know, so so you're never able to build anything to that allows you that freedom. You're always going to wind up in debt. Your cousin or your, 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 your friend, Randy, who did that, that $600 a month, that thought process 
I know for a fact that one little thing is not the only thing in his life that he does that provides him with the lifestyle that with the same amount of income as the other couple lives a completely different life with completely different money worries. Agreed. Agreed. It is much more about the fact that he's spending money on what he values, period. And you know what? To this woman's point, Rachel's point, let's talk about this for a second, because when I was a financial planner, I've been a financial planner in a long time. But even when people, you know, write to me, when 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 I talk to people, the most underlooked way to get what you want is to make more money. There are so many people, by the way, on the other side of this, there are people that are frugal. (laughs) Excuse me. They they uh, they it's it's like they want to. You can't shrink your way to greatness, Shannon, is is, I guess what I'm trying to say. They want to get rid of so many things, and it's so difficult. And studies show that your boss wants to give you a raise you just haven't asked. Right. Building that second income stream, as you know, that second, that third, that fourth income stream, far easier than people think that it is. Like making money is this blue sky opportunity. But to your point, you know, having Randy's value system first and then – making that gap bigger between what you make and what you spend. Cause, cause I'm with you. My goal is not to care about, about my, my, my subscriptions. I don't want to care about that. You know, but then Joe, let's go back to, let's go back to that time in your life when you ran out of gas, right? How much of your free thinking space, your gray matter that wasn't dedicated to doing your job. So you didn't get fired because you could not miss one day of work. And then going home and trying to explain to your wife why we were not going on a vacation and why we got to drive this rusted out minivan. How much of your gray matter, your, your, your thinking capacity was then consumed by the life you led and the way, the reasons, the, the thought process of I've got to go talk to a friend about how to get a loan. I've got to this. I've got to make excuses for the fact that my life sucks. I love that you brought this up because I remember thinking – because I'm not a dumb guy. I remember thinking, I was, I was doing a bunch of dumb things, but I'm not a dumb guy, that I just needed a break. I needed one break so that I didn't have to think about tomorrow. I knew right. the key to success was if I could make some moves that were long-term chess moves versus this daily grind every stinking day. I had to get my life out of that daily grind right. to be able to actually build something. And to do that, that's why I had to let the creditors go. I never declare bankruptcy. I paid everybody off. But you know what? The only way that they were going to get paid off was if I quit paying attention to their priority. Right. Their pro- their priority was to get me, you know, off of off to, to be paid the debt. The only way I was going to pay the debt was if I built an emergency fund. I got that in place. I got positive cash flow in place. Right. And then I continued to build my income so that I had cash flow so that I could then take that money and pay them off yeah. uh, later on down the road. But you know what I've seen in my life is when I'm consumed with thinking about where my next deal is going to come from, or I need the cash, or I'm, you know, the, the, the times are tight, thing, financially things aren't going well. When I'm focused on that, I'm missing deals. I'm totally missing, missing. I'm missing opportunities. And so what you see a lot of people, they're just, it's, it's like the, there's this chain hooked onto them and they're drugged down by the debt so that they're literally face down. They can't see the opportunities around them. They can't see the forest for the trees. They can't see the sunshine. And they're literally chained into that, into that place where they're never going to get away from it unless they can break that and literally look up 
And I see so often, Joe, just like you're describing, that until that happens, until you ignore the creditors long enough that you can get your head focused, now you can begin to make advances in your income. Now you can become the employee that gets that huge raise and gets that promotion into another department and gets recognized for the talent that you have instead of being the, the employee that's so fraught with disaster right around the door. And how do I pay this electric bill? And I got to hurry up and leave early on Friday to go get a payday loan so that I could pay the utility bill yeah. so that I can have it because it's seven days until until payday. And then I can and then I can get my paycheck back and I can go pay it back. I mean, I've watched my employees do that. And I can tell you which ones they are because they're the ones that are smashing their thumbs with hammers. They're the ones that are backing equipment into buildings. They're the ones that are doing the things that don't get them the raises, that yeah. don't get them promoted, that, that they can't catch a break because they've broken their own vision. Yeah, no, it's it is it's funny you say that because I was in this space where I could see that my head right. was down, my head was down, and I was consistently getting bashed in the head with my own stupidity, having to to uh, make up for all the problems, you know, that I had caused myself. But being a financial planner and watching what my clients were doing, well, at the same time, I'm messing stuff up. It was just was just surreal because I'm because yeah. I'm seeing all the deals then Shannon I'm seeing right. them all right I'm right. I'm helping people put their money in all these cool deals and, yeah. and I'm going home every day and I'm doing none of them right so so we understand that a foundation we understand that paying attention being in a positive cash flow situation you're making two thousand dollars a month you're getting home with 1700 after Uncle Sam takes his portion that you were agreed to with your partnership and then living on 1500 or 1200 and then beginning to advance that, you know, one of the things that a lot of people go to is, you know, there's, there's a couple of really popular people out there, Dave Ramsey being one of them, that says, hey, live a debt-free life, right? And, and you and I talked about this a little bit. You know, it's great to be financially free. But to you, does financially free mean debt-free? No. And the reason for that is, is that uh, you, you've got, if you start off with what you value and you know the way there, responsible use of debt is, is just a function of building your net worth statement. It's just a right. function of it. Now, now, now taking out a little, like, you know, the, the, being an old guy again, the uh, Popeye, I will gladly pay you Tuesday. Remember this right. guy? Yeah. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Well, right. how's he going to pay me Tuesday? Like, if you have no idea right. how the hell he's going to pay Tuesday. And that right. was me. I'm borrowing money from everybody. I got no idea. So if you're taking out debt and there's no repayment schedule in place, you're right. really messing up. But if we look at any company in America, this is what frustrated me when I was a financial planner. Any company in America has a, has a CFO and that CFO's job is to go to the bank and go, Shannon, if you're the bank, Shannon, what are the best terms you can give me? What are the right. best terms you can give me? And then sit down with these terms and create a debt strategy, a debt payoff strategy that makes sense for that right. company. And yep. then that a lot of these same people, by the way, will then go home and they'll make all these emotional decisions at home while they're structuring things at work. So I would see all these people that had debt, but had no debt strategy. Right. And debt strategy is a huge thing. As an example, if I take out a 30-year mortgage, 
on a on a on a property, take out a 30 year mortgage. I I don't have to repay that in 30 years. Like I I would see people that would take out like a, a 10 year or a 15 year loan. I'd say, why'd you take out a 15 year loan? And they go, well, I don't want to have a loan for 30 years. Well, you could take a 30 year. Right. You could pay extra if you wanted to. Give yourself the optionality. You could pay it off in eight. You could pay it yeah. off in six. You could pay it off yeah. in whatever, but I'm going to go to the bank and get the best terms I can possibly get. Right. And then I'm going to have a system to repay however it suits me best. Yeah. So having debt on the books, if you have a debt strategy, can be right. a powerful thing. It can be a powerful thing. And that's where, you know, when you look at, you know, this is back to your cash flow statement, right? It, it, if you're having a positive cash flow situation, and this is where I see a lot of people, right? They go out and they, 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 they feel like their home is an, an, an asset, right? Your home is really a liability because you're the one that has to pay it. And, and then we see people go, well, I have equity in my house, so I'm going to buy a bigger house. And then I'm going to get a bigger house. And the next thing you live in, in a McMansion and you've got a $12,000 a month payment. Meanwhile, you are creating equity there. Whereas if you still had your original house and a $2,000 payment and it used that debt in a way that it allowed you to buy four single family homes that now somebody else was paying on, now you're letting, letting five mortgages be paid by five people, four of them, not you. Now you're creating wealth on your balance sheet with your house and the four other houses that somebody else is choosing to pay you for. This is the kind of debt strategy that we work with people all the time on in creating, but it's created because there's cash flow. Back to your very first principle of build the cash flow that what you have coming in is more than what you have going out. That's that repayment strategy, and that's what's really going to build you wealth. Can I light a fire on this thing? There, do it, man. Do it. There's going to be people that are going to hate me for what I say next. I love my house. I love my house. I love owning a house. I went through a time when I thought I was going to be a nomad and uh, Cheryl and I were, were living in different places. I realized I like having a house. I like having a place to hang my hat. My house, my house is the worst investment that I have. Because it generates, because it generates zero, it right. generates nothing. Right. My son, my son is 27 years old and he already has, he already has 15 rental properties at 27 right. years old. Right. He right. still rents, Shannon. He uh, yeah. rents his house because he understands- I, I the place that he lives is not a great investment. Well, I mean, your, your son at 27 years old, he has 15 rental houses. And we're just going to throw some numbers out here because I like numbers, right? We're going to say that each one is worth 100 grand because I want easy. They're investment property, so he's had to put 20% down if he didn't want to have mortgage insurance. If he would have bought one house for himself, he would have sucked up 20 grand. Right. Instead, right. instead, he put that in a house that somebody else is paying for that now he, however, he got that 20 grand, that cash flow of his own life, he's now putting away in the next three years, he's now putting away, we're going to say another 20 grand. Plus the guy that rented the first house is giving him an additional $200 a month toward that 20 grand. I did this one time with a spreadsheet for a friend of mine and how many houses you could buy in 10 years. And if you started with just one, right? And the spreadsheet worked out that that in year 10, you were buying 31 houses. Yeah. 
31 houses. Because if you were not touching the money and you put $700 a month away to get to number one, and you kept doing the 700 a month, that meant that in, in year 10, you were buying 31 more. There comes a point, Joe, when buying 31 houses a year, you, you can't buy that many. Right. Right. I mean, you don't have like, the time uh, to do all the due listing diligence. Appointment, right, listing yeah. appointment, right. I mean, that's, yeah, that's one house every 10 days, really. And, and yet here's your son putting himself in that position because he did not invest the first 20 into his home, right? Into that Trans Am or whatever it was he wanted, that car. Now, by the time the guy's 35, he's not going to be asking what car fits his budget. He's going to be asking what car fits his lifestyle because he's put those foundations first. And I, and I love that because there's been a, uh, there's been a huge, I would say it's probably the biggest rift in our marriage uh, between my wife and I is home ownership, right? Now having a place to hang your hat and, 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 and renting that's, uh, are, they can be, they can be synonymous. You can rent somebody else's house, but where we develop and we do, you know, currently we, we've got about a hundred million dollars worth of construction development going on and we rent, we rent because I live by that exact same principle that I'm going to put my money out there making 30% a year, 40% a year, rather than tie it up in a house that's doing eight, nine, 10, right? I mean, it just, the math doesn't make sense. Pick where you want to live. But don't get that confused in your head. And a lot of people, they do that. They get confused in their head they where do. it doesn't make sense, right? But, they do. You know, Joe, this has been an awesome conversation. And you and I could go on for quite some time with this, <laughs> I could tell. Uh, but, you know, let's just recap. Let's just recap real quick. Give me the top four things, somebody that's in the deepest, darkest hole. What are the four things they need to do to turn from being a, a despondent person who is consumed by it to somebody that has the is moving forward and is is building a financially free lifestyle what are the four things number one shut off everybody else and know that you're the one in charge you are purely in charge that doesn't number mean your wife that just means <laughs> yes <laughs> <Just> clarify <laughs> yeah and i wouldn't say that out loud with with i would say no honey you're in charge right, however right, right. Yes. Number, number two is build that foundation, meaning you have to have the emergency fund. It doesn't make sense, by the way, to not pay the debt. Uh, uh, this is the only place, Shannon, where the numbers don't seem to make sense. Why am I putting money in something that earns zero so that I, instead of paying these interest rates at 25, 30, because if you're constantly paying the, the, this interest, right. You're just going to keep digging holes every yeah, time you have to create that safe space. Yeah. Your muffler's yeah. dragging behind your car. Your dishwasher's yep. broken. Yep. You got to go back to debt. So number three is actually initially get some respect for cash, live right. a cash lifestyle. Right. And then number four, as you've decided what's important to you, lock down that budget earn more money and build a bigger golf between what you earn and what you pay. Realize that you're the chief financial officer and build build your house based on the way that a company would instead of the emotional way that most yeah. of us do. You know, and Joe, this is this is all I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna let the, the cat out of the bag too. You've got a book that goes into depth on this that is I it, do it's, it's you do. I, I didn't know if you knew this, but 
uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let people know about the book. But you go into more depth on this, and you you really get into detail on that, and and it's really a great place for them to really go to. Tell us about your book, real quick. Yeah, thanks for bringing up the book. It's called Stacked: Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management. Which not for those that don't want to be super serious. You <laughs> right. want to be super serious, right? This is a this is a this is a serious book. You can already tell when I say super serious, there's going to be a lot of humor in this book because that's the way we do things. Because you don't want to cry, you have to laugh, I think. I think we have to laugh. So we do stuff. People are paralyzed. They don't do anything. This book is the Hardy Boys detective manual that I carried around when I was in fourth grade meets the Cub Scout Wolf Guide. And what I mean by that is we've turned it into achievements. The easy achievements are in the front. The tough achievements are in the back. And if you do all the achievements, we have a, we actually have a certificate in the back, Shannon, that you can uh, rip out of the book and post on your refrigerator uh, that's signed by my mom. So, cause our oh. podcast is live from my mom's basement. I also have at the end of every chapter, the end of every chapter, we have a pro in this area, uh, an interview from our podcast that has, you know, 1300 episodes that we talked to. So Jean Chatsky from the Today Show, we talked to her about beginning with your values. Tiffany Aliche, the budget Nista, talks about getting your budget in order. Um, uh, we talked to Phil Town about, about why uh, individual stocks uh, can be better than indexes. However, we get into indexes for beginning beginners. Uh, we talk about building wealth more quickly with uh, Jill Schlesinger from CBS News. So we've got a great lineup of people. It's not just what I think. It's backed up by a lot of other people. By the way, the editor of this book, this is a Penguin Random House. It's Avery Imprint, is the same editor as James Clear, uh, Atomic Habits. Okay. Um, if you're familiar okay. with Atomic Habits, yep. uh, James Clear, you're familiar with that. Which, by the way, that is a flex on my part, Shannon, saying yep. that. And it's really cool to say that to you. But I will also say this. When you go into a room with Nina and the rest of the team at Avery about your book, and they have also dealt with James Clear, you feel like the stepbrother that can't do anything right comparatively. <laughs> Don't touch my drums. <laughs> every, right. Every, every, every conversation is, oh, James. James is, Dave, I told you what James did that's incredibly awesome. Right. James right. is so great. I'm like, you know, we're pretty good too, but it's stacked. Yeah. You're a super serious guy to modern money management. So, guys, if you want to know more, definitely grab the book. It's on Amazon. Um, and if you want to figure out where all of this crazy great information that Joe's spouting and, and tap into him on where he's at with his journey and how he's helping other people, you've got to tune into his podcast. Where is your podcast and where can people find you? It's called Stacking Benjamins, wherever you listen to find your podcasts like Shannon's podcast. Uh, just put in Stacking Benjamins. It's every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We are not going to preach at you. I think people already know that. I've beaten that drum a lot. It is money surround sound. It is, we call it the greatest money show on earth, Shannon, because it is a circus. It is yeah. a circus. Well, I can see who the ringmaster is. So <laughs> right. thank you, Joe, for being on uh, the <laughs> real estate rundown. This has been a delightful episode, guys. As you can tell, uh, Joe doesn't take it too seriously. I don't either. And But we want to tell you thank you. We want to appreciate you guys for tuning in. Uh, the Real Estate Rundown. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Go check out Joe's show. Come back to the Real Estate Rundown. Uh, and we would love it if you would leave us a review. We'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to connect with me on other issues and talk about 
what we can do to help you once you've got that foundation, shoot me an email at connect at shannonrobnet.com. We'd love to have the further conversations with you. And again, Joe, thanks so much for being on the show. Dude, thanks a ton. This was great. That's a wrap for today's episode of The Real Estate Rundown. Let these newfound strategies pave the way to start a successful career or a profound rebranding. If you loved everything you have heard, listen to more conversations at www.shannonrobnet.com. And be sure to leave a rating, share it with your friends, and subscribe. Until the next episode.